1: Learn more at Marines.com.
0: Welcome to the Ramon Foster Show. I am Eddie Provident. With me, as always, is Ramon Foster himself. And the two of us are brought to you on this fine Friday by the Get-Go Cafe and Market, always serving up hot, fresh food 24-7. I think I might go get me a breakfast burrito when I leave here today, Moan.
1: Breakfast, bur- breakfast burritos are good any time of the day. It, just in case you was wondering, they, they are that legit, okay? I, I so know,
0: there's, You you can never not, there's never a, not a good time to have a breakfast burrito. 100%. Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
1: you do that and you uh, let me know um, and then you buy me one when I see you. How about hey,
0: that? Man, I'm, I'm going to buy you that and I'm going to go off the rails here for a second. I'm buying Minios too. We've already talked about this. But for those of you in Pittsburgh that know, I'm a Minios guy. Yep. I'm taking Ramon to Minios when he's in town for this Tennessee game. Absolutely. Eddie. Let's rock,
1: man. That's Happy cool, man. Friday,
0: Happy though. though. Friday, man. We got some football. Again, we talked about it yesterday, but man, it's the first game of the season. We're going to talk about it again today. We've got yeah. football, man. And what I want to like, what's the flow of this preseason game? What, what's, what do you think this is going to be? I think it's going to be run heavy. I think we're going to see a lot of the running backs, but what mm-hmm. do you think? How, how do you think this game is going to go tomorrow?
1: The flow is get it over with fast. Let us evaluate you and please stay healthy. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be it, man. And uh, of course, the coaches want to, you know, plan some stuff. They get into a position where they're being schematic and trying to figure out what matchup. but there's not much film out there. Most of the guys Mm -hmm. you're playing are going to be young guys, and this game plan is going to be simple. And I know we want to see some of what, you know, uh, Matt Canada does offensively, but it'll probably be very run heavy, which kind of, you know, leads us into what I think. Think is very important to see as we kind of get excited for this game. Most of the times when in, in my younger career when we were playing and, and we were leading up to the preseason, it was, let's run the ball. Big man up front, let's see what we're going to do with this. And not just that, running backs. If, if if the OL do what they're supposed to do, will you hit the gap the way you're supposed to? Will you be able to break out into to open yardage and get us those chunk plays on a run game, 20 plus yards? Will you be able to hit a home run like this is what we're looking for as far as those guys? Starting with Benny for me, man, I think he probably gets first stab at it just simply because he's the veteran guy of this group that kind of commands it a little bit to far as as far as him continue to make his stake on this team. And he plays a huge role in special teams. So if he get his reps look good and get out, then he can go do the things he have to do special teams wise with Danny Smith. Shout out to the big jaw of (laughs) bubblegum. hotline tomorrow night anyway uh but the rest of this group is pretty intriguing man just in general we're probably not gonna see uh Najee Harris and I think that's good and y'all know all the reasons why there's no real reason to get into that um but but guys off top Anthony McFarland, of course Mateo Durant is another rookie guy uh Master Teague which is very interesting to me I remember from Ohio State he's also a Tennessee kid from Murfreesboro uh, sign with the Bears and end up getting cut like three days later. I'm, I'm wondering what's going on around that. Mm-hmm. If he gets his opportunities, what is he going to do to capitalize on them? And then, of course, Jalen Warren. I've heard a lot of good things about him, Eddie. Uh, but it's a factor of the five guys up front for the most part. And then we'll see what these running backs do. If I'm banking on somebody being able to do something, I feel like Jalen Warren has been the guy we've heard more and more. Anthony McFarlane has a little bit of a name. And of course, you guys know, even though he's a Kentucky grad and I went to UT, uh, I'll still root for Benny Snell because he's such a gritty, he's such a gritty player, man.
0: Yeah. I I like Benny Snell a lot. And and he's, he's a, he seems like a really good dude off the field too. And those are the kind of guys you root for, you know? Uh, But Jalen Warren's the one for me. I I saw him in minicamp and and being, you know, on the field, watching him, he's got that really you know, that plant foot, when he plants and cuts, he's really good at it. He's, um, he's kind of just like a ball of muscle. Like he's not a big guy, but he's a strong guy and he bounces off tacklers really well. Um, He kind of reminds me of kind of, I wouldn't say as good, but he reminds me of a Maurice Jones drew type Ah. of, okay. That bowling ball. Yeah. He just, He bounces around gets, you know, and and the next thing you know, he's got five yards. Uh, (laughs) And that's what he's been doing in training camp. And so I want to see if that translates to the game. Uh, And I want to see if if, you know, the bright lights affect him at all, because he's another undrafted guy. He's, you know, he's a young dude, Um, but I think he does have some skill. And I think that he has the potential uh, and I'm not just going by this. This is what Tomlin has said. Um, You know, if you haven't read Dale's piece on uh, on Jalen Warren, it's on the website, Mm -hmm. DKPittsburghSports.com. I highly recommend it. Uh, even Mike Tomlin has said that he's been one of the better running backs yeah. in training camp. So I'm excited to see him out of all of them because we've seen the rest of them. We, we've seen Benny Snell. We've seen Anthony McFarlane. We know what kind of what to expect from them. I want to see some of these new guys and see what they have to offer.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I'll say this too, just because the roster is what the roster is, man. If that's the case for a young guy like Jalen Warren, uh and, and shout out to to, to Lolly also just because the coverage of these type of guys, like we always know about the big yeah. name guys. Like they'll being able to, you know, get a, a microscope on this and really focus in on a guy that look I mean, I that that really has a shot. Yeah. And that's where you look at it as as, as far as Benny's positioning. Like, he has to have a good showing because you have this young guy who's a bowling ball um, and at 5'8", about what is he, 215, 220? Mm -hmm. Like, that's his role. If he gets speed to where he can break off to the edge and be consistently the guy that's not going backwards despite what the offensive line does, then that could be good for him. Coach Tomlin always, and I mean always, guys, look for that hidden gem guy. Looks for that guy that, you know what, that, that makes him reflect on himself when he was coming up. And he doesn't come from – Jalen Warren doesn't come from a small school. He's Oklahoma State, so he's played big-time ball, mostly in air rate type in of the offense. Mm-hmm. So his run skills probably weren't put on display as much as you needed them to, which why could lead you yeah. to an undrafted type of situation. He, 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 he loves these type of dudes. Why? Because you know you're going to get the maximum output out of them, and they appreciate the moments in which they're given. And, and that's the beauty of, of what preseason to me is. And I know people say meaningless games. They are as far as win losses. Uh, but for guys like him, guys like Master Teague, uh, guys like, you know, uh, Mateo Durant, this means a lot for those type of dudes. And Mateo Durant's a one running back. Like we're getting into Derrick Henry territory right now. <laughs> yeah. But he's got to be able to put it on display too coming out of Duke.
0: Yeah, imagine you know if he's the guy that makes the team. Imagine you know Naji at six two with his size, and then Mateo Grant yeah. comes in to spell to spell him, and he's six one with his size. That's another you know that, that's an aspect that you don't really see on a lot of teams. Um, what so I, I like what you said about this not being a meaningless game because for a lot of us, yeah, it is whatever. But yeah, yeah I think the fans, like the the true fans of football, not even just Steeler fans, just football mm-hmm. fans. I think we appreciate the battles. And so when the third and fourth quarter gets there and we're a bunch of guys that maybe we've never heard of, uh, I get excited because you get to see these guys who they... You know, we talked yesterday about life after football. Yeah. They're legitimately playing for their careers and their livelihood. And that, yeah. you know, there's more on the line in these preseason games for them than there is in a regular season game for some guys.
1: It is, man. And and that's why I always kind of, I don't push back, but I just kind of say it's meaningless as far as wins and losses. Right. Well, we're, we're talking about livelihoods here. We're talking about guys. This is probably their only shot. Mm-hmm. To, to get on that 53-man roster or practice squad. Like I said, just bringing up Master Teague's name, like he's a kid that's already been cut as a rookie after three days in camp. Like those last eight minutes of the fourth quarter, they mean a crap ton Maybe to a dude do. like that. And also, what an
0: elite name. Master oh. Teague. Like oh, want come on. Master Teague broke one for 80. Like that's the guy you wanted. Come on.
1: Imagine. And not just that. Master Teague the Third, A Third. Oh man! Come what on! A what a name! That's like like with the Titans is is Robert Woods and they nickname him Bobby Trees. I don't I don't know. What a nickname! I, what I, a I don't a nickname. know. Man, Raghu got to step it up, right?
0: Right? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Mo, when we come back, speaking of games that matter, I want to get into like X's and O's with you. I I really want to talk football with you for a little bit, so that's what we're gonna do in the second segment. Stick around, Mo Foster Show. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. I don't know how you follow up Bobby Treats, but we're gonna try to follow it up, man. That, I'm, I'm not gonna get over that nickname. That is so good, Ramon, uh, I want to talk X's and O's with you. I want to talk, yeah. you know, technique. I want to talk ball uh, because, you know, I, I was talking with. I did get a chance to talk to Craig Wolfley. And him, him, and I, and, and one of the, another guy, uh, Chris Carter, uh, were, yeah. we were all talking about, you know, just the different types of offensive linemen that there are, especially on this team. And you know, he was talking about how, if you look at him and uh and Tunch Ilkin, RIP. Yes. Uh, how Tunch was more of a go out and fight him and, you know, step and punch, step and punch kind of guy where Wolf liked to be that close combat, you know, like come in, you know, and I, I know, you know, from going to offensive line camps with our kids, we've got, uh, you know, you got guys who, especially with tackles, uh, teach them that you need to pick the point where you're going to go to the fight and you need to get to that point before the defender does, you know, and and you need to get out and start the combat where you want to start the combat, um, So my first question to you, before we get into more X's and O's type stuff, what kind of combat guy were you as an offensive lineman?
1: I was a come to me and let's fight type of guy. Okay. Because, uh, and I, athletically, I didn't want to chance myself as far as getting in a bad position going forward. DeCastro could set a guy at the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. you know, because he's really good athlete. He was shorter than I was. He was a lighter weight than I was. So him being able to, you know, set at the line of scrimmage and get his feet going and just punch, or for him, the fact that he was a little bit lighter, he had to stop their charge. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm like, all right, my technique is going to be flawless enough to where if you come towards me, I can stop you either way that you go. Like that's the beauty of what of having a guy as a coach that says, look, I'm gonna teach you my technique and what I expect from you. But within that, you throw your own little season seasonings and spices and you put your own little herbs in there and you you figure that out as according to how you feel comfortable and is successful. That was the one thing, I no, one of the many things I loved about Coach Munch and how he let us be our own person within his scheme. Every mm. single day we worked on the one-on-one basics of what his techniques asked us to do, stepping over the line, moving forward, pass set one, two, get back, you know what I'm saying, like helping out one to another. Uh, and that's just the same for, let's say, um, let's go outside. and Let's go tackles. Tackles for the most part, the way you stereotype them, type them is the big athletic guy. Mm-hmm. He's they're probably expected to be the more athletic dudes on the offensive line. I just got an alert to my phone well uh yesterday as far as Dwayne Brown being mm-hmm. signed to uh the Jets. Like, that broke yesterday, and I'm thinking to myself, well, they lost a big athletic guy, Makai Beckton, for the year. Will they go get a bigger, older guy like Dwayne Brown, who's been killing it for a little while? Also, you want those dudes, baby, to be comfortable in in space. You want them to be basketball players. You want them to not be heavy-footed. At Mm -hmm. least, I'll say this, specifically on the left side for a right-handed throwing back. Now the importance of the right tackle used to be, okay, the big guy who's good enough but not as athletic as the left tackle. Like I need to be able to have the run, the run support on the right side as far as moving guys off the ball. It's you don't have to be more athletic than the left tackle because the quarterback can see the rusher coming. Right. That's kind of switched a little bit these days, man. Took Sakor for is by far one of the most athletic guys I've ever seen play offensive line. He is. <laughs> but I don't know if he was overly comfortable playing left than he is right. And that's okay too. You still get an athlete. That's the reason I speak so highly of Dan Moore being mm-hmm. able to handle that left tackle position the way he did as a rookie now going into his second year that speaks volumes about one his athleticism his maturity and just his work ethic too so that to me is is the one way you can categorize those guys and let's let's even you know, go down a little bit in memory lane kelvin beachum mm-hmm. undersized dude okay but if you look at him kelvin arms is long He's got a high butt, which meaning he's got good trunks underneath him as far as strength and rolling his hips. When Mm -hmm. I say that, you know exactly what I mean, all football people. Um, But this is what he had to do in his sets because he, Beach might have been hovering 295, 305 at 6'2", but he's a starting NFL left tackle. He had to be very sound technically, very, very sound, because he had zero error for the tall guys that was going to rush him or, or the speed guys, and he would go start the fight a whole lot quicker than on the other side, Marcus Gilbert or, or, or Mike Adams, you okay. know, who had the size, who right. had, you know, more athleticism. Beach had to be technically sound, be able to punch guys' face off because he had to stop that charge. And then technically, when he engages, he's got to be good with his feet and his bend and his hips. As a young guy, I don't know if I've seen a, a younger dude spend more time on rehab and just uh, uh, just massage therapy and stuff like that to keep his body up to yeah. compete, you yeah. know? So is the height and size don't necessarily matter when it comes to who's playing what, but there is an expectation if you are breaking the mold a little bit at that tackle position.
0: Another thing I want to ask you about is, you know, cause we, we talk about this, like the hand fighting, the hand to hand combat, oh close my. quarters go into the, but I think the, one thing that maybe if you're not a football person that you don't realize is probably the most important thing for an offensive lineman is footwork. Yeah. And, and so talk about, you know, the difference between the footwork for these athletic guys, like the left tackles, you know, especially and the, you know, guys like Chukes, where you, you've got to shuffle, you got to shuffle, you got to shuffle. And while you're shuffling, you're punching, you're punching, you're punching where a guard where, you know, it kind of, because you're on the interior line, you know, a guard in the center, you know, your your footwork is more like be sturdy, you know, be, yeah. be you know, make sure they're not moving you.
1: Uh, who's the big guy from uh, the Patriots? Brown is his last name. Uh, play for the Patriots. He got traded. Uh, the big right tackle. Now, I'm watching him uh, play, and I'll have to give you his name or something. We'll probably put it over to the side somewhere. Uh, I'm watching him do his sets when he was with the Raiders about two years ago. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking to myself, Oh my gosh! This is the worst set I've ever seen in my life. Trent Brown, Trent Brown, Brown, never as a young guy watch him because the technique is only built for him. Okay, it's only built for him. I'd even go so far as Trent, uh, Trent Williams, like Mm. nobody like moving like him. Don't follow the trends. Don't follow the trends is what you're saying. Follow (laughs) your technique. Right. Trent Brown? Absolutely not. And so I think he's a damn good athlete. Mm. Uh, but the sets are quick. One, two is precise. It's almost as if you're shuffling like a basketball player out sometimes. Not out, but down and out is the way you got to do as far as the uh, tackle position because there's a little bit more space. You got to close that space to kind of uh, find your, your attack point um, at guard. It's a little bit more square with a little bit of an angle the way you set guys at guard because they're right up on you. If you give up too much of an angle, you give them the inside charge. If you go too vertical, they can beat you on the edge quicker because those D linemen and sometimes defensive ends and linebackers that line up over guards, they are faster. They're quicker mostly than guards. The center position, the way we taught it was to get back vertical. I know it sounds like funny, like, why do you get back vertical? That's going to the quarterback. No, the center, for the most part, is above everybody else when it comes to where he sets the ball at and where he lines up. Your first step is to do snap the ball, get even with everybody else. If we are offense, we're protected a whole lot better when it comes down to how we're. Keeping the quarterback in the uh in 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 the uh pocket, right? <laughs> it's a lot that goes into it. More centers, which Pounce was phenomenal at, stay more square until they're needed either left or right. And not just that, most centers Pounce would snap the ball, and if he was going right to the Castro, he would still punch the tackle with I mean, the uh D tackle with his arm just to stop their charge because if he's going right. Somebody's probably lined up on Dave in the three technique and they're probably on him or me in the shade. So he punch and go right. It's it's so intricate, man. And I want to tell you how to read it, but you just got to watch it. Dude, I,
0: I love it because everyone thinks of offensive linemen as these, you know, big. M- brute, yeah. Brute. Uh, you know the guys who are just like they don't got to think about anything; they just got to fight. And then no. you realize that every angle, you know, if someone's lined up on your uh, to your right, like well, how does that change you? If you if someone's oh, wow. lined up on a three, t- how does that change what you do? There are so many things that go into offensive line. Mm-hmm. That I think that's why when you do see people, you know, we talked about this yesterday, going into the media and every, there's so many offensive linemen. Yeah. Cause I don't know that there's anybody on the field that knows the game and everything that's going on in the game as well as the offensive linemen do.
1: And you have to because (laughs) your job depends on it because Mm -hmm. you're protecting the guy behind you that's taking up the biggest percentage of the cap space. Um, I'll say this as as far as pounds. I've talked about it almost everybody except for the center. Uh, Most centers are usually smaller dudes, um, but they're usually quicker. They're usually square body guys. And they're usually, you know, guys that's got really good hips. And for the most part, those guys at that position overutilize their punch. I wasn't a huge puncher because, like I said, I could wait on you. I could, come on, come in into the meat locker. Let's go. That was me. Let's start this fight on my turf. Come over here. Um, but Pounce Man had one of the most violent punches of, of almost anybody I played with and just watched. Also, those guys got to get guys off of them. So their punch and delivery of stopping that shock and awe is, is kind of huge for them at that position. Athletic dudes usually can get off in space. Think about the last few we've had house domani is it's just yeah some legendary guys jeff hardings i mean come on man moan
0: this is i know what we say this every second but i <laughs> can i can
1: listen to you talk ball i could listen
0: to you explain this for <laughs> hours man i could just i could sit and here I, and, and i you.
1: got more i promise you <laughs> we we can dive and maybe yeah. we ought to live stream these segments right? one day and just <laughs> maybe just just let it roll just do let a roll. split screen the film and talk it through I'd love it. I'd can love listen it. to the idea right there. Stop oh, listening. The idea, man. <laughs> uh, when we come back,
0: I, I don't know how it's going to top this segment, but it's everyone's favorite segment, the Hey Moan segment. All right. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. It's everybody's favorite segment, the Hey Moan segment. And I've got a good one for you. It kind of like bounces. It gets kind of transitions perfectly from the last segment. We were talking X's and O's uh, and this is from T bunner 66 on the site. And he says, Hey, Moan, who was the one guy that you just hated going up against in camp? The guy that would just bring it every single day and never took a day off. Um, I, I think I know what your answer is going to be. There's a lot of, I'm sure there's a lot of guys like, you know, James Harrison's probably one that comes to mind. Uh, I'm sure for the guys now, TJ Watt is somebody, but who was your guy? Like who was the guy that, uh, you know, you hated, to play again. Uh
1: hate it to go up against. The most obvious one is Cam. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> it's, I thought you
0: were going with this, yep.
1: It's Cam, man. But I've, I've spoken so much about Cam lately that it's just like, you know who he is and everybody sees who he is too. Just, just simply because... Cam is a go-harder, always has been, always will be, because you hear him say those two things. But it's two guys that come to mind, man, that I have a world of respect for. Uh, and there's plenty of other guys. So I'll say this. I, I hate it going up against the, the young defensive linemen because you never knew what they were going to do. Uh, the coaches would put them up there because they needed to see a veteran rep. Right, and right. all I wanted to do was just grab their little ass and just throw them across <laughs> the room, okay? But then... <laughs> I would get away from my technique because we just spoke about that, and I could get like an okay rep. And, right. But they're looking at this as an opportunity. I'm looking at this like, all right, let's just get this play over with. Okay. Uh, just because their their fight in camp is a little bit different. I knew when I was gonna make the team those years as a starter, I could see in the future, like, I just gotta get to week one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good refresher though, too, because that's the way it is in a game. Sometimes I, I might not have a whole lot of film on the guys behind the starters. And I always focus in on those dudes, too, because those are the ones that will embarrass you. OK, <laughs> and I didn't want that in camp and I didn't want that in practice. And I daggone sure didn't want that in the games, too. Uh, but aside from the defensive linemen, and there's been a lot of those dudes come along the way. You just be like, man, God, Lee, you're young. I get it. But I'm not here for you. I'm here for Cam. Uh, but the two other guys that come to mind, man, respectfully, is friggin' Vince Williams, okay, and Ryan Shazier, the shake and bake, okay. And now let me explain both of them. The reason Vinny is the most obvious. Y'all love and adore Vince Williams, who's still mm-hmm. coming on the show because of how he played. He is Pittsburgh. He's a Florida kid, but he's Pittsburgh. And he's mm-hmm. hard downhill. As a young guy, me and Vinny, and we're going to talk about the story. I want to hear his version of it. Uh, I pull around the corner and camp, and I'm I'm, I'm I'm, damn near fed up events, okay? Just because everything that he did, he was overly trying to prove his self-worth. And he did that to the day he friggin' retired. And I feel like, and I need to hear this from him, the reason he retired is because the interest in doing that just wasn't in him anymore. And I love to hear this, but he used to just come downhill and just, just. And I'm like, all right, young fella. I've been doing this for a little bit, too. Let's see what we can do. And I pulled around and I hit him and he, he said I made his nose bleed. And I was like, well, you done? Are you finished now? OK, OK. <laughs> We have an agreement that this is, we know how to practice against one another. And we had a, a good, and Vinny always went hard no matter what yeah. after it. But as far as like the face to face, just him trying to prove himself when he got established that he felt really good about that. And I was happy for him. One of the biggest Vince Williams fans ever. And the other guy, man, is Ryan Shazier. Because as, 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 as brutal as Vinny was, Shazier was just so daggone slippery. Like I went to go hit him one time, and I pretty much, you know, the bull going through the red red linen. That yeah. was me because I'm expecting this guy. Is he a six two, six three ish? Um, yeah. a, a, about what was he two twenty five at the time, two thirty ish, maybe two forty. Built, 240.
0: built so, like a Greek god, yeah,
1: like a Greek. He's like Xerxes, right, and friggin' three hundred, <laughs> yeah that's, he's like Xerxes, man. So I'm seeing him like, oh, this guy's about to bring the boom. Little did I know he was a freaking slippery worm out there that you couldn't hit. Cause, And I used to be like, dude, hit me. He's like, why would I hit you when I'm trying to make the play? I said, ah. <laughs> oh, okay. But like camp against him was just, like let's say if we had a front side run and I'm on the mm. back side and I'm on the back side and I got to get to Shazier. The play don't work if I don't get to Shazer, okay? Oh. He's on the backside. I'm on the backside. I would abort Alejandro so damn fast. Like, oh, you got him because I got to go. And I would be in my stance and I'm, woo, I'm, I'm moving, trying to get to him and Shazer just breeze on by. I'm like, you bastard. Like, why are you this fast? That was me. And, and I think that's why all of us have this. Well, that's why we adore Shazer. That's why we you know, hurt it so bad when he wasn't around because – Imagine that guy now. Oh, wow. Okay, so those are the two dudes that I hated going up against with respect to, you know, James Harrison, Larry Foote, Potsy, Troy, all those guys. But yeah, was there somebody in camp that maybe like like, the
0: names that you named were guys like kind of their names carried some respect? They carried some weight. Right. Was there a a guy that maybe didn't have that same respect that was like, you know, trying to, you know, you know, like, I got him right now. Didn't, you know, you know, the guy in the back of the room that's like everyone else in the, in the class, just like, listen, they're grading on a curve. Let's just keep the curve. What it is. So everyone can pass. And then there's that one dude that's like motors way too high all the time trying to be the overachiever.
1: Not not even that. This this guy, and he's still playing to this day with the Tampa Bay Bucks Super Bowl winning champion now, undrafted guy from uh well, what's the name of his school? Um uh Steve McClendon. Oh, okay. okay. Undrafted dude, um from well golly, what's the name of Steve's uh college? Let's see. That's how small his school was Troy. He's yes, from yeah. Troy University. Yeah, um, but just not even just the the motor. So friggin' strong. Just has this long arm move that you'd be like, Steve, God, Lee, how are your arms that long? And they weren't. It's the way his technique was, but strong as an ox. And to this mm-hmm. day, he was a huge part, a huge part of that Tampa Bay defense. And you look at him on the field, and he's now about to be 14 years in as an undrafted guy that's still playing relatively well for his age and from the the pathway that he he came into this NFL. Man, that to me, and we were roommates coming out my uh, red shirt year while we were staying. Then at the Allegheny Center, uh, not too far from PNC Park, that's my brother coming in as an undrafted guy. He was, you know, a practice squad for a couple of years, finally making the roster and just watch the growth of his body, getting bigger, getting more technically sound uh, and just becoming a savvy vet. Man, that's the one guy in the back of the room that you you look at now. And you say, yeah, he earned every bit of this. Right. Well,
0: Moan, this week has been fun. I have yeah. uh, enjoyed it man uh, it's been nice to be back in the host seat for a couple of days and uh, <laughs> you know getting getting the talk a little bit with you uh, to everybody that's watched this week we appreciate you N- uh, numbers are doing well on the show if you're not subscribed and you're not you know if you don't have the alerts on make sure you do that because you know DK and, and Ramon bring it every day and uh, they're a lot of fun they're a lot of fun to listen to and hang out with. Um, So for Ramon Foster, for DK Pittsburgh Sports, I'm Eddie Provident. DK will be back on Monday. Uh, It's been a fun week. Take care, and we'll see you later.
1: Stay safe, people.